Welcome to episode 27 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now, here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Today's guest is a personal branding and success coach and the co-author of Mastering the Art of Success. She's also an award-winning marketing professional who has spent the last two decades working with nonprofits and IT companies. In the late 1990s, she began offering personal branding and success strategy consultations through Your Marketing Ace and Your Success Ace, her solopreneur side business. Her familiarity with a broad range of workplace environments and positive psychology enables her to work with a wide variety of professionals and entrepreneurs. She helps leverage their personal brand and employ their signature strengths for a career and life full of happiness and prosperity. Please join me in welcoming Iris Pollitt. Hi, Robbie. Great to be here. Iris, thank you so much for speaking with me from your office in Florida. So I want to just jump right in. I know my audience will be curious to hear a little bit about your day-to-day, but this is a podcast about leadership and building strong networks. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Sure. So um, look, leadership, uh, much like success, means many different things to many different people. And uh, to me, it comes down to, to clarity and certainty. Um, when you're able to, whether you're in a managerial role or whether it's in a peer coaching situation, when you're able to help someone um, step away from from the current chaos that they're dealing with and get some higher level clarity around it and and certainty that they do have the ability to to overcome it, that that's what leadership is. Um, and I realized that I had the skill um, a long time ago. Part of it is is just being um, a marketer for many years and being able to look at the basic needs of your target audience and and providing that that clarity. Uh, and part of it is is also being you know um, working for IT companies for um, about a decade with all of the changes and reorgs that that occur. Uh, being able to step into that role and and coach um, some of my teammates through it um, made me realize very quickly that that I possess this skill, do if you, you will. Do you think that there was evidence even when younger than that when, you know, w- did you take leadership positions on in high school and college or in your earlier year in your career? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I was a bossy little girl from a very young age. So um, that um, but bossiness alone does not necessarily connotate leadership. Um, I have taken on leadership roles in extracurricular activities and in, in, in college and things like that. But uh, I think it comes down to not just wanting to be in charge. It's it's comes down to even at a basic level figuring out what what people need and supporting them to allow them to get out of their own way, if you will. Well, it sounds like a lot of that has informed your work as a success coach. How do you think leaders, or you perhaps in particular, have been able to support colleagues, particularly if they're not people reporting to you? Like, it sounds like a lot of the work you're doing is a more peer-to-peer support, not just people who report to you. 
So yeah, I mean, in in my full time job, it's more of a peer to peer support. In in my coaching, um, I actually work a lot with with executives, um, who I I think in in a regular work environment would would be my, um, you know, superiors. Um, I, I think it it basically comes down to uh, again clarity to to getting really honest with yourself and allowing you know the folks that I'm coaching to be really honest with themselves about what's working what's not working and what they actually need. You know, I mean, we all have this, this inherent, you know, need to, to be heard and, and to have some basic happiness in our lives. And we lose track of that sometimes, you know, and and that's what, what I focus on that, that first step um, in my, uh, a success formula, if you will, is, is clarity is making sure that you first lay that foundation uh, before you you step forward and build goals and and start acting towards achieving them. So part of what I like about this conversation is that a lot of times I am talking to people who the reason that they see themselves as a leader is because they have a position of authority. But in lots of ways, you're demonstrating that leadership can be within a peer space, and it could be you are demonstrating uh, that the skills that you are hoping that them they would achieve your hoping to support them in the work they're doing. And you're also understanding that their success, even as peers, does support you on the team. So can you talk a little bit about that mindset? Because I think a lot of people, that those peer relationships in a, in a different, more challenging way, and almost um, like, they're, like they're going after a prize and they're racing each other, not like they're working together. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think one of the main reasons that in, in the work environments nowadays, uh, a lot of people are frustrated is because we sort of created this vacuum that uh, fosters competition on an uh, in an unhealthy way, quite honestly. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the way that people perceive the, their environments. And if you're always looking at it from the point of view of scarcity, you're always going to feel like there isn't enough. Um, And, you know, without getting too woo-woo here, but, you know, when you stop and you actually embrace abundance and know that there's more than enough for everyone, it it allows you to to be more open and and more successful yourself, you know, whether it's through helping others or whether it's just realizing that there's different paths to your success. So I'm imagining that this wasn't a philosophy you've had your entire life. Is there a way where you came to that? Like how would someone or how did you start to uh, realize this philosophy of abundance that you're talking about? So I look, I think from a very young age, I, I've always embraced positivity and abundance, um, which is interesting because I, I didn't come from from means, you know, Um but I think when when you're raised in an environment that even if you don't have everything you want, but you feel like you have what you need, it, it helps you foster more of that, um, you know, philosophy of abundance. And it also you get to a point in life where you sort of question the, the foundation and question whether the the things that that you've seen throughout your earlier years actually apply to your life now and whether they're actually serving you in in the way that that you move forward you mean like this idea of a competition that the, even the structure of competition and and such is is 
you're like, well, maybe this doesn't really work for me and maybe it's not working for anyone and maybe I should find a different way to approach this. Is that what you mean by the foundations that you were taught at a young age? Yeah, look, I think competition definitely has has a place um, if it's looked at in, in a healthy way. It's when it's the the only thing that exists nice. um, that that it makes you feel like, you know, if you're not first, you're last, that, that type of mentality. Mm -hmm. That's great. It sounds like you are in a good place then to be coaching both your peers and the people you coach uh, professionally uh, to to help them think about the world in this way. What's been most rewarding about the work that you're doing now? I think seeing the actual difference that that it makes in people's lives and um, helping people to to get out of their own way. Because you know what? Inherently, we have everything within us that we need in order to be successful. And allowing people to to see that in themselves is is extremely gratifying you know to to basically make them realize that once they stop worrying about the how once they just focus about the what and take off the blinders there are so many different ways that that they can achieve that that final goal or that that final you know thing that defines success for them do you have a story to share about a client that was able to really have a breakthrough um, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, um, one of my clients who is not, you know, the typical type of person that I, I work with. I mean, usually I, I work with executives, uh, but this happened to be um, a person who is a teacher. Um, she was very frustrated with her the current situation that she was in. Um, she wasn't feeling appreciated where she was at. Um, she was trying to get a raise. It didn't work out. Uh, I'll spare you all the gory details. But um, once we, we started working together and with, you know, with the foundation, my, my three C's minus C formula. So starting with clarity, moving on to certainty, uh, embracing commencement and actually taking action. And then minus C minus, you know, the control, the, the focusing on the how. Um, embracing that, um, she was able to literally within a month um, find a new role where she got paid substantially more. Uh, she was actually appreciated for for what she brought into the classroom um, and was just a lot happier. It was a much healthier environment for her. I could see how getting unstuck in, in your head is a really important step towards moving forward and, and finding the prosperity uh, that you're looking for. Because otherwise, you just when you're feeling really stuck, it's really hard to move forward and really hard to even see uh, possibilities that are right in front of you. So I think you know, the idea of hiring a coach is a is a good idea. I, I recommend it. I recommend you. Um, I think this is <laughs> this is a, a great thing for people to be thinking about because we haven't really talked about how important uh, business coaches, life coaches, career coaches are for successful people. A lot of successful people I know um, have been using them, myself included. What's challenging though about work and and maybe not work today, but is there a challenge that you've had to overcome in the work that you're doing? Um, not necessarily in coaching, but I know, I mean, especially having worked in, in, uh, I guess I would call it a traditional work environment in a corporate environment. Uh, there's certainly many challenges, uh, one of which that I think many people can, um, sympathize with is, uh, reorgs and layoffs. Um, and I've, especially having 
worked with IT companies, it, it almost becomes a joke that if you, you can't handle at least two reorgs per year, you shouldn't be in this industry, you know. And I think that the best way to overcome it and the way I overcame it for myself and also help my, my peers to overcome it is sort of recognizing that there's some things that, that we have control over and there's some things that we don't. Um, and the things that we don't have control over, we, we need to just let them go. And we need to be able to to look at it and say, okay, I don't have control over this, but I do have control over these other pieces. So I'm going to empower myself to focus on the things that I do have control over and and realize that everything else will take care of itself. This kind of reminds me of uh, the book by Dory Clark, Stand Out, and where she talks about even if you're working a nine to five job in IT or any industry, just doing your job isn't enough anymore, that you really do need to do those extra little bits that really help your higher ups know who you are. And it could be running the annual picnic. <laughs> it could be, you know, volunteering in some way on a committee. Uh, it could be taking on some sort of mentorship role for a new employee, but that you want them to know your name when your name comes up in a conversation and that you're not just a commodity, but you are a stellar employee who's shown leadership. and that that's part of it now. Like you, we can no longer just go to work and do our jobs and hope that we survive reorgs because I think you're right. Reorgs or downsizing um, has been, I mean, I've worked in nonprofit for my whole life and I know that, you know, even with the recession now starting to fade, it's been slow sometimes to get all those positions back and people are cautious about uh, what positions they'll give you and how easily you can move up in those ranks. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of Dory's and, and she's absolutely right. And I think it actually goes even beyond that. I mean, beyond making sure that that you stand out and people know who you are. It's also recognizing that the company that you work for does not define you. And once you recognize that, it, it sets you free. I mean, unfortunately, we're, we're no longer living in a world where you know, you could put in 25 years with the same company and retire with a gold watch and a pension. Um, so once we we realize that and balance the making sure that people know what we're capable of with the almost healthy detachment of, you know, this company does not define me, you know, and, and having that balance between the two. It's interesting. I know that personal branding is part of what you work with people on. And it's what you're doing, right, by having this solopreneur side business, which helps people really understand the value that you offer, not just within your job, but also in, you know, in this sort of coaching role. And I think I had that same experience. Once uh, I was working for about a decade for a nonprofit doing fundraising events and major gift work. But once my higher ups got on Facebook a number of years ago, they became aware of the other things I did in the world, all the other leadership I was taking um, and my networking ability, et cetera. And so suddenly they were like, wait, we want you to apply some of those skills here in your career that you're doing outside for all those volunteer efforts. So it's important, I think, and it also can really enrich the experience you have in your office to have them understand the value of what you, you bring to the world. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's it's extremely important when you're working on whether it's your personal brand or, um, you know, your own path to success to focus on 
your inherent strengths and, and what you bring to the plate, whether it's within the workplace or outside of the workplace. One of the tools that that I leverage with um, many of my clients is a strength survey uh, through the VA Institute on Character in Ohio. It's uh, an institute that built out this uh, character classification uh, focusing on positive psychology. And um, the reason that that I really appreciate this as a tool is because it allows you to take a look at what's right within you. And I think we really live in a society nowadays where we're we're almost like blind to our own strengths and blind to what we actually bring to the table. Uh, and being able to recognize that in yourself and and employ those when when you uh, find yourself in challenging situations um, is extremely important. It's important to know what tools are in your toolbox at all times. That's great. Absolutely. That's great. So a common struggle for anyone striving for success is the fear of being wrong, making mistakes or, or even failing. Will you tell me a little bit about something you're not good at and how you deal with that? <laughs> wow, we're really opening up the kimono over here. Um, so look, I think being self-aware is extremely important. And part of that self-awareness is is knowing your, you know, not so pretty parts. And um, I think when it comes to me, it's uh, it's patience. I My husband jokes all the time that uh, if I was a doctor, I'd be broke because I have no patience. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think I see that more and more, especially, you know, working with many millennials, it's almost like that, that need for, for instant gratification and, and not realizing that, you know, things that are worth it take time. Um, and it's definitely something that, that I've been working on to say the least. That's a really important one. I think uh, many of us have discovered that this distracting world we live in, where we're supposed to be multitasking, but it doesn't actually work to multitask, it's has sort of made us all, I think, more impatient. Um, I don't know if anyone else has had the experience, like you're waiting for your computer to warm up, so you check your phone. <laughs> so like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Guilty so, as charged. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like turning on the computer and setting up Skype while checking my phone. So I think we all need to take a moment to breathe and, and relax in those moments and appreciate maybe that that's a minute out of our day where we get to just like be in the space. Uh, you know, speaking of, of balance, um, it, to be recognized as a success takes a lot of time and dedication, both at work and in the way it might impact life outside the office. With that in mind, what does self-care look like for you? Self-care um, is something that I, I'm not necessarily always very good at. Um, it's again, it's like that whole entire work-life balance, you know, dilemma. And I, I think for me, especially, it's challenging because I love what I do. You know, I could be sitting in my home office and get a text at at night from my husband, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where my wife is? When he's in the living room, and and he he definitely helps me with with self care and, and and shutting down. But I think taking time for yourself. Um, we um, often talk about morning rituals, making sure that you have time for yourself, especially in the morning where that's the time where you set yourself up for your day, where you basically determine what is my perspective going to be today. What is my energy going to be like today? Making sure that you allow yourself that time in the morning, um, A, to be still. 
I find that meditation um, helps me not be a raving lunatic. <laughs> so uh, I definitely am I'm a big fan of that. And whatever form that takes for you, whether it be meditation or prayer, just finding some time to to have some stillness and and be present and allow the answers from within you to come out and actually be able to listen to them. You know, right before we hopped on this uh, interview, you and I were talking about morning rituals, and I was sharing with you that I have finally adopted The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. This is a great book, and what actually inspired me to move forward was a, a spinoff of that book called Miracle Morning for Writers. And I am writing a book, and I needed to sort of speed the progress up and write daily. And I have a child who's just over one years old. So this is a little difficult. I'm a work-at-home dad. And you have been encouraging me for many years, probably as many years as I've known you, which is over 20, to become a morning person like you. And I have resisted because I'm a night owl. And I'm now at two weeks that I've practiced this morning ritual of meditation, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and writing daily. And it has been really beneficial and I feel a little sheepish about it because I should have probably done this years ago. And I will include in the show notes links to all the books we've mentioned, included the book that I mentioned earlier by Jory Clark, because I think these are great resources. And, if, and it might take time for you to find the resource that really inspires you to take action. Um, but I hope that given this is sort of January when this will be being released and this is a time of year where many of us set new goals for the coming year, uh, this is a good time to maybe to maybe look at that what what those resources might be and get the inspiration you need to to take the action you need to take to really like move forward with the projects in your life. Wow, that was that was me sort of admitting to the world that I'm now doing this. Now I got to keep it up, don't I? <laughs> yes, it's the best way to uh, be held accountable. You don't have one accountability partner; you have your entire I audience. I know, <laughs> and I I would love to actually to hear from any listeners who have been doing the Miracle Morning and uh, what they've gotten from it. So please share your thoughts in the show notes. Uh, so if you had the opportunity uh, to speak to your younger self, say at 25 years old, what is the one thing you'd encourage yourself to do to build a strong and supportive professional network? So I'd have a lot of advice for my obnoxious New Yorker 25-year-old self. I don't know that I would have listened to myself at the time, but um, I think in order to, um, you know, build uh, a great network, um, it's extremely important to be authentic. You know, you need to make sure that the relationships that you build along the way um are, are built on a foundation of, of real appreciation, you know, not just what can you do for me? What can I do for you? You know? Um, and, and that's what, what it comes down to. I think too often, um, again, during our younger years, we're, we're a little bit too impatient and, and, uh, we're, we're very quick to try to figure out what is the fastest path to where we're trying to get instead of taking the time to to build the relationships that will introduce introduce pathways that we didn't even know existed. I think what's hard is that maybe when you're first starting out, you don't know what pathways you even want, right? So it's hard because we're almost told we're supposed to figure it out, but it's overwhelming the number of choices now. And the reality is for a lot of 25 year olds, the careers they might have probably don't exist. Like there are some 
entire new industries that are going to get developed in the next 10, 15 years that they may take a leadership role in both developing and running. And it's, it's about preparing yourself for that change too, right? Being like nimble enough. And you've done that. I mean, I think what's interesting is that your career path is, is not a, a straight line. It's more of a winding road. You spent a lot of time in nonprofits. You moved to IT. You've always had this sort of marketing experience and you've brought that to all of the work that you do. As your professional network has grown, in what ways have you stayed in touch with the people you've met along the way? Like, how are you nurturing those professional connections from your career, though you're not working, not just in the same job, but in the same industry? So again, it, it comes down to authenticity. Um, I know you, you often speak with your audience about different tools. Um, I think LinkedIn is fantastic. And there's many other tools that allow you to remember to get in touch with certain people. Uh, one of the things that I do is um, I do a New Year's Day type of email. I actually send out 70 of them this year um, to folks that I really enjoyed working with and had like, you know what, if we lived closer and we're still working together in an office, like we, we, we chill, you know, we'd go out for a drink. Um, so going through that list of, uh, I mean, I have over a thousand contacts on LinkedIn, going through that list and pulling out the folks that you had that authentic connection with and putting in the time and effort into reconnecting with them and saying, Hey, it's been, uh, a year, two, three, you know, like what's going on? Like, this is what I'm excited about. And I'd love to hear what you're working on uh, and having that, that real connection. Yeah, it's true. And, and if you had a good connection early on and some time has passed, it's really fine to reach out and then try to start again from there. I think sometimes we're like, well, it's been three years since I worked at that job and I haven't talked to them, but it's like, they were a great colleague and someone you enjoyed spending time with then and you really admired. So reach out to them. I, I love the idea of having a, a time a year, like you said, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day was a, it was a time for you to really think about reaching out. But in some ways, you don't have to have an excuse. Just pick a day. They'll be happy to hear from you, uh, especially if you're not asking for anything, right? That's part of what we have to learn how to do is just actually check in with people, ask how they're doing as opposed to asking for something for ourselves. So this is this is a nice I like this this uh this idea that you have. Is there something you're doing the rest of the year to really make sure you're staying in touch with people that you do rekindle connections with? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I, I find LinkedIn to be a great tool. I promise I don't own stock in them. I'm not trying to give them a plug over here. Um, the, the fact that they, they sort of pop up reminders to let you know when someone has moved into a new role so you can congratulate them or when they pop up in the news. Um, I, I think it's a great way to help you keep tabs on, on people that you actually care about. I, and you would if you knew about it, you would want to congratulate them. Uh, and I love the the concept that you mentioned about reaching out, not when you need something, you know, uh, because that I, I know, um, especially, you know, having worked in IT, you see has, as people move from one IT company to another. And it's it's absolutely also true for non-for-profits, by the way. The, the, it's, it's a very incestuous environment where people move from one nonprofit to another uh, or move from one IT company to another. Because once you, you know people in the industry, that just naturally happens. People want to work with people that they like. But quite often, whenever there's like a layoff, 
you know, you get all these emails from folks that you barely even remember their names. And they're like, oh, I saw this opening at your company or at your nonprofit. And it, it almost puts you in, in a very like defensive mood. Like, you know, I don't know you. Why are you asking me for this stuff? You know, <laughs> so I, I think it's it, the point that you made about connecting um authentically and connecting when you don't need something is extremely important to build those relationships. That's Iris, since you mentioned LinkedIn, and I know you're a fan, I, I think we've talked about this tip, but if not, I want to tell you about it, remind my listeners. So if you and I are connected on LinkedIn, which we are, under my photo, when you're looking at my profile, there are three links. One says reminder, notes, and tags. And what that lets you do is you can tag me with any keywords and I can have one tag or several. So you might have, you know, high school friend, college friend, colleague, uh, we're all of those things. Um, and, and you can uh, tag me and then filter to find people based on those tags. So for instance, the people that you've done the, the New York, uh, the New Year's notes for, you could tag and then look again next year to see who that was. Uh, the uh, reminders remind you to reach out to people. Um, you can set that for like two weeks after a conference, that kind of thing. If you haven't heard back, reach out to them again. And then the note is a private note that only you see that will help you remember what you talked about or what you wanted to talk to them about. And using those three links is actually a great way to turn LinkedIn into not just a place to like hold your business cards virtually, but to become sort of a light contact management database uh, for your business or for just your professional network. That's fantastic. I um I'm actually going to type in a reminder for myself to change your tag from night owl to morning person. Or is it too soon to do that? <laughs> That's very funny. I don't know if it's too soon, but I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. That's great. So um if we were to meet a year from now and you were telling me what a great year it's been, what accomplishments would we be celebrating? Um Lots of stuff. So um, I'm doing a lot more writing. So um, some of that coming out. And also um, I'm starting to do some work with uh, a much younger audience that I, I didn't anticipate initially. Um, it, it, that's what happens when your neighbors are teachers, right? They find out you do coaching and they're like, that would be great for a mentor program we have at our school. So one of the projects that I'm working on right now is um, um, a neighbor of mine who happens to be a teacher, um, they have a mentoring program at their mid middle school where they're setting up eighth graders with at-risk sixth graders and creating this this mentorship uh, partnership. So I'm really looking forward to going in there and doing an engagement with them um, to teach them how to live a strength-based life and uh, recognize their signature strengths and and leverage them as they face obstacles in life. So that's uh, definitely one of the things that, that I look forward to uh, having completed uh, over this year. Uh, I think it will be extremely gratifying. It sounds like a wonderful project and it's a good reminder that doing these one-off projects that aren't really just like a resume builder or aren't you know, a career, career ladder step is really fulfilling. And you never know what context it may lead to, but the reason to do it is because it does fulfill you and it does reward you. And I think sometimes in the day-to-day -day of our jobs, we need those kinds of moments of inspiration and young people are so good for offering inspiration all the time. So kudos to you for finding a fun little project like that to, to dig into in the next year. How should people find you or follow your work? 
I have uh, several websites. Uh, one is um, yourmarketingace.com. That's for the personal branding coaching. Another is um, your success. Uh, ace.com, which is for, for the success coaching that I do. Uh, there's also a catch all for everything is, uh, irispolit.com. And, um, yeah, that's basically it. You know, I'm, I, I love sharing resources, uh, on my website, free resources. A very wise person once told me that when you share the knowledge, everybody walks away a little smarter. So, uh, I, uh, I've often uh, taken advantage of that and, and made sure to to share the information out there. That's great. Well, I'll definitely include links to all those resources on the show notes. And I agree that you have some great stuff on there. And of course, you're on LinkedIn and, and such, so people can reach out to you there. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, Iris. I appreciate it. Thank you, Robbie. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Iris Pullett. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. One of the things that stood out for me was Iris's assertion that the company you work for does not define you. If we are very fortunate, we will work for a company that we are really excited about, whether we love the product they produce or the mission they are working towards. But even with this best case scenario in mind, we still need to develop ourselves outside of our job. This is especially true when you're dealing with circumstances beyond your control at work and are riding a roller coaster of emotions on a daily or hourly basis. It's at all those times that we really need to remember Iris's advice that the things we don't have control over, we need to just let them go. This is easier to do when you know your value in the world and it's not tied to your identity at work. To get started with that, take time to do a quick, an honest assessment of your strengths. Since we aren't always good arbiters of our own strengths, ask the people closest to you to list three things that they admire about you. Use this list to fortify yourself against self-doubt and self-judgment while you're still striving to improve those areas you know you need to further develop within you. Help change the narrative the voice in your head is telling you. Another thing we talked about was how you shouldn't wait until you need something to build your professional network. One way to keep building up your professional network is to keep tabs on former colleagues you enjoyed working with. Pay attention to LinkedIn notifications so you'll know if they've been mentioned in the news or changed jobs recently. When that happens, send them a quick note, which will be much more memorable than hitting the like button. Don't worry about how long it's been since you've spoken. If you generally enjoy each other's company when working together, then any excuse is a good one to reach out and reconnect. Like Iris, you can choose to send some notes right now as we kick off a new year. Just don't wait until you need a favor to reach out. Take the time to build up your social capital by offering before you ask. Once you've reestablished that connection, you won't want to lose touch again for months or even years. That's why I use Contactually, a robust CRM that's perfect for managing my professional network. I use it to help me manage my most significant relationships and the ones I hope will become important. As an affiliate for Contactually, they're offering my listeners a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Let me know if you sign up for the free trial and I'll help you get set up for success. Visit contactually.com slash invite slash moves for more details. That's contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash moves, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. For your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Look for episode 27. Well, 
We've done it again. We've reached the end of another episode. Thank you for listening to On The Schmooze. I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating and review in iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating and review in iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to reconnecting again next week when I'll be sharing how you can say very little, gracefully end a conversation, and they will think you're fascinating. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.